0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, good
1: morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? I'm... I know it's a weird and sometimes scary world, but we're going to call it a great morning because we are gardeners and we can help heal a hurting world. Welcome to our end of July party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting's weekly garden program. We call it the Gestalt Gardener. For the next hour or so, our producer Jonas Adams and our call screeners and I will do nothing but talk gardening. Hope you're enjoying the summer because it's a hot and oppressive one. But uh, we're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff, including some really cheesy music after all this political convention and stuff like that. Sit back and relax after a little bit of news. We're going to come back with live phone calls from you about what's going on or not in your own garden here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture is still to rushing. And whew, I love it how they said that it's going to be A lot of moisture in the air, but not in the form of rain. That means it's hot and humid. How are you this morning, Sir Jonas?
2: Doing well. How about
1: yourself? So far, so good, man. You'll never guess what we missed this week by not being on the air with the Gestalt Gardener every day of the week. What did we miss? (laughs) The 27th, which was two days ago, was National Take Your House Plant for a Walk Day.
2: You know what, you mentioned that last week and we, yep, we we definitely have to talk about that.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, and and, and it's it's sort of like the uh, gardener's version of the Pokemon Go. You know, if you take your plant for a walk outside, you'll be getting fresh air and sunshine and you know, maybe exposing it to some nice butterflies or something like that. It can't hurt.
2: What type of leash would you have to put your plants on?
1: You know, that's a good idea. Maybe a piece of uh, piece of hose or something. You know, at, at the same time, we're not, you know, it's not like, you know, rabid squirrels and stuff like that. You know, I haven't heard of anybody being assaulted by a fern lately.
2: <laughs> Maybe a Venus flytrap or something. <laughs> oh,
1: now, you know, there you go. You know, if the Triffids go walking around, I don't know if you remember Triffids or not, but they were uh, people eating plants from a science fiction thing that called the, the Day of the Triffids or the Night of the Triffids.
2: Yeah, don't so, walk those, anyways, right?
1: No, that's okay. That's right. It's a stupid kind of thing, but you know, this is part of the Gestalt Gardener. It's talking about things other than just solving problems. And if anybody's got a question about something that's going on in their garden, whether it's a plant that seems to be dying, or some kind of weird bug, or identifying, or weed control, or or when to plant stuff, or pruning, we can handle that stuff. That's horticulture.
2: We have but a caller already, too.
1: Okay, well let's let's jump right on it. Who we got?
2: Annie from West Point, calling about hey, black. South South G- S- 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 V. I believe.
1: Good morning, hey, Annie. What's good morning? How are you doing? I'm well, thank you, Fella. How are you? I'm pretty good, pretty good indeed. You know, this is a, we were talking about gardening versus horticulture. You know, horticulture doesn't care about why we're doing stuff; it's just about how we do stuff. So, what can I help you with today? Well, a few weeks ago, there was a gentleman
3: from Alabama called about black and bold salvia That's i fine. have contacted some nurseries here about ordering some and they can't find it uh could you find
1: a source for it well i i could but to be honest with you it's not something that i really want to get into because anybody can do it by just doing an online word search for sources oh, okay. for black and bold. and, and the reason okay. I'm, I'm saying this uh, you know, garden centers can get these plants if they want to, but to be honest with you, uh, in a, in a, uh, a town like, like West Point or my hometown of Indianola, a lot of times they tend to order what they think people are going to buy without having to, to gamble too much. So, you know, if they want to get it, they can, but, you know, it's, it's called customer service. And, um, yeah. But anyway, you, you can get these online, no problem. It is a hardy perennial if you plant it in a pretty – a place that gets at least half a day of sun and doesn't stay too wet or too dry, it'll come back for years and years as a good perennial.
3: Well, I have the black and blue salvia, and the hummingbirds truly love it. And I wanted to try the other as well. Uh, One uh, other question, which you might probably don't know. There was a gentleman named George from, I think, Mobile, Alabama, that used to call all the shows Regularly, yeah. I haven't heard from him in years.
1: I just wonder whatever either.
3: happened to him.
1: You know, I haven't either. That's a, I, I appreciate you asking about that, but uh, a lot of times we've had regular callers over the years, and and sometimes they move or sometimes they pass away. But you know, unless somebody lets us know, you know, we miss a lot of good regular friends.
3: Yeah, well, he was seemed to be a really nice person.
1: You know, but that's the needed. Well, let me me throw this out, the the black and bold, it is a good one, but I'm going to be honest with you, on a scale of 1 to 100, it's not 50 points better than black and blue. It's just a slightly different color, slight improvement. So if you've got black and blue, you're going to have the same number of hummingbirds, whether you get the others or not. Well, I was thinking more of the variety of colors. Oh, there's so many wonderful hardy salvias. Uh, I was at the Royal Botanic Garden at Kew down south of London a few weeks ago, and they've got an entire garden of nothing but salvias. It's 100 feet long, five feet deep, of nothing but salvias. So wow. There's a lot of great ones. So uh, I, I tell you one other you might want to try to add to yours. Are you familiar with Texas sage? Uh, no. It's. It's it's a uh, typically it's red, but sometimes there's pink or white. But it's a really hardy, almost like a little, almost like a little miniature rosemary type, tough little uh, perennial, almost like a bush. And it okay. is one of the absolute best, and and it's native. And, and you can put it. It's smaller than the the, the bigger perennial blue salvia but it's a really good addition as long as you don't water it too much. But uh, okay. Texas sage is a great salvia. Well, thank you, fellas. All right, appreciate your call. Thank you. Okay, Uh, bye-bye. Gentlemen, I was going to say one of the things I did the other day was uh, I was out playing in my little herb garden, and I've got some some peas growing right now, but rosemary was going to flower, so I went out and cut it back, and I, I got a lot of, you know, just grit and stuff under my fingernails, and I went in, I was scrubbing my fingernails, digging out the potting soil and, and, you know, getting all the green chlorophyll and stuff off. And I realized that when the ends of my fingers tingle from scrubbing after working out in the yard, that's part of gardening too, not just eating and smelling and planting and enjoying and seeing, but also the little things like cleaning your shoes and your fingernails and things like that. It's all good part of gardening.
2: If you ever need an extra pair of shoes to clean, I have a few. If you know, if you just ever in the mood. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you know what? What I, you know, this I, I, over the years I've talked about what I call quintessential tools, and uh, Jonas quint quintessence is something. It's a, it's a it's a weird world, but it means things that only do one thing, but they do it so well that, and that's all they do. That um, if we didn't have it, we'd invent it. Sort of like a, a mouse on a computer, or a or or a. Uh, uh, an ice maker, something like that. But in the garden, we have a lot of quintessential tools, and one is a boot scraper in places where the garden is real active. A lot of times they have this little, it looks like a little sideways, um, it's just something made out usually metal that you put by your door just to scrape mud off your boots.
2: Mm -hmm. I understand completely. Oh, and also the um, young lady that just called, Annie, she was talking about George from Grand Bay. I believe that's what the town's called in in Alabama. And yeah, we haven't heard from him for a while. I know once he said that um, he does spend a lot of time in Europe as well. So maybe he's been spending a lot of time there. But yeah, we haven't heard from him in a while. So if anybody knows him, tell him to give us a call.
1: That's right. And, uh, and by the way, our, our toll free number is one eight seven seven mpb ring And uh, I don't have any gardening events to share right now. A lot of people are kind of laying low this time of year, but if you've got any events, some educational events, maybe there's a, a garden club is having a special meeting or there's a, a demonstration in the library or some master gardeners at a garden center. If you've got something coming up that's educational or interesting for gardeners, please let us help promote it. It's real, real easy by sending us an email at uh, garden at org. Love to help promote things like that, and typically we get a lot of response to it too. So if you've got some kind of event, let us help out. We'll, we'll, we'll be real glad too.
2: Our next caller um, is Tammy from Pearl River, Louisiana, about golden apple tree.
1: Uh, hey, good, uh, did, did you say Annie?
2: I said Annie? Ta- Tammy.
1: Tammy, Tammy, hey Aunt Tammy, what's going on? How are
3: you? Uh, I'm doing good, how are
1: you? So far, so good. What you got?
3: Uh, I have a golden apple tree that I planted about a month ago, and uh-huh. it had some it had some green leaves and stuff on it when I planted it, but it somehow lost all the leaves, and it's really like the stems of it have turned brown, and it's about yeah. I guess about seven feet tall, but it's I mean it's, it's skinny. It's not like a full tree or anything. Yeah. Um, did, I had a problem. Plan- my little my little Pomeranian thought it was like a fire hydrant, and um, you know he kind of sprinkled it.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah. And I don't, I don't know if that's the cause of it doing what it did, but um, I'd like to see what you think about that.
1: Okay. First of all, you said you planted it this year.
3: Yes, about a month ago, probably in June, okay. early June.
1: Okay. A couple of things, real quick, and keep in mind, I have planted countless hundreds. Of plants, including a lot of fruit trees, and uh-huh. the, the two things, I, and, and I get questions about this all the time. Here's what I would do: because you planted it, it went from being in a pot to being in 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 your soil, which means right. it can't it can't tolerate being watered as much. In a pot, the extra water drains away, but in the soil, it's real easy to overwater new plants. Uh-huh. And I, I, I would I would say even as hot as it is. I wouldn't think of watering a new plant. and I set out new plants every summer. I wouldn't think of watering them more than every couple of weeks, maybe once a week if I was feeling really generous. But every couple of weeks or so, a really, really good soaking—that's all they need. And this helps them uh, get deep roots. I, I had listened to you a while, a few months, a uh, few weeks ago,
3: and I heard you say that thing about the watering of it and believe me i do not water it i watered it i think when i first put it down and we have been getting so much rain so I, yeah. it's not like I, i've been out there with that hose but um i kind of listen to you what you said about doing the plants every now and then yeah. you know yeah. but um it just kind of you know i had put some ant stuff around because ants were around it so i'm just uh, trying to figure out if the urine from the dog or the poison could have did something
1: to no no. Uh, first, first of all, the urine, the urine from dogs or, or for people, for that matter, uh, actually turns into fertilizer. It's only a problem ah. if you do it on the same plant day after day after day after day after day. It actually turns in a little bit of urine. It turns into nitrogen fertilizer. The wow. ants poison not likely to burn it either. But I would still, even though you've been getting some rain, I still give it an extra soaking every couple of three weeks to make sure that because rain doesn't always soak down more than a few inches.
3: Right, right. Now,
1: let me throw out let me throw out something else. You're not going to like this, but trust okay. me on this. Every, every commercial fruit grower on earth. Does what I'm about to tell you to do. And that's to go out and cut that tree off at three feet high. Okay, I will do
3: whatever you say because I know it, you can do it, some great planning. Here, <laughs> here,
1: here, here's what it does. It immediately okay. takes the stress off the plant, and it starts. It makes the plant start bushing out lower to the ground, and those will be the main limbs of the tree. The rest of the okay. time, now the the, the the only the only drawback to this is this time of year, if you cut it back that much, it's is still small it's got a real thin skin the bar right. you may want to put some some uh, uh, like a toilet paper roll or something loose uh-huh. over the trunk to keep the sun from shining on the trunk.
3: Okay.
1: Okay. I'll do and, that. Uh, and, and, and that's all it does. Your Pomeranian is really not. And listen, I mean, how much you're, how much you're into the Pomeranian Put out anyway. Come on.
3: <laughs> if he goes out there five <laughs> or ten times a day. That's a
1: little... Well, get make it. Yeah. You know, get, get get him to spread it around. Okay, but no problem. Well, what,
3: what I did was I made a little metal little thing and put it around it, so that way he can't get that. You know, to, to like a bullseye. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> we'll pull, pull, pull,
1: pull the grass away from the trunk. Put just some okay. mulch around it in a ring. Put put the mulch in a ring. Don't pile it up on the trunk. Oh, really? and then, uh, cut, it
3: back,
1: cut it about three feet back, and then uh, okay. put something uh, around it to protect the trunk from sun scald, and it'll do fine. Okay. All right. Well,
3: thank you so much.
1: Have a great weekend. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.
3: All right. Bye, bye, folks.
1: You betcha. You. you want to give us a call, folks? One eight seven seven M P B ring. You know, I, I know it's hot and oppressive out there, scattered rain, not enough to get us down completely. The horticulturist in me is excited about possibilities of planting, pruning, rooting, sharing with others. But the gardener in me says, let's find some way to enjoy what we got going out there, in spite of the fact it's not very fun doing a lot of work. So we got, sir, Jonas?
2: Well, we got to take a break, and then we have Charlie and Eric that we'll put on the air, but we got to take a quick break before do we do that.
1: that. I'm having a good time. All righty. And uh, I appreciate Jonas. And, uh, and, and, and also let me know sometime who is our call screener today. But if you want to give us a call, it's one eight seven seven mpb I'm a horticulturist. I'm a mediocre gardener. You know, I'm not a nurturing type of person. But I know what to do and when to do it to avoid having to do extra work, extra trouble. I'm not going to push my plants to the max like a horticulturist. I just want simple, fun, rewarding Results. So if you want to use that kind of approach, or if you want the technical aspect, give us a call, one eight seven seven MPB Ring, or shoot us an email, garden at MPBOnline.org. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting, the Gaskalt Gardener. I'm Horticulture Spelled Rushing, and we'll be right back.
5: support for the gestalt gardener comes from old house depot antique windows doors shutters flooring and exposed beams architectural salvage custom carpentry you name it open nine to five monday through saturday 639 monroe street in jackson oldhousedepot.com
0: this is mpb think radio mississippi is our mission More than two centuries ago, the first American president took office. And next year, the 45th will take office. Follow history in the making. Right here on this station. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Okay, folks, welcome back. And I understand we have Charlene on the line. Is that right?
2: You said Charlene.
1: All right, Charlie. Charlie. Hey, Charlie. What's up, man?
5: Hello. One of them is where can I find a bay tree? Like a bay tree, like the, uh, the herb used for cooking the leaves.
1: Yeah. And the second yeah, thing is. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, what part of, where do you live? I didn't catch that
5: bit. I'm in North Franklin.
1: Yeah, you know, the, the bay tree will actually make a large shrub, almost a small tree for you. They're hardy on up in the North Mississippi. Any place that sells hers will sell a little small bay plant. And, you know, the ones that, that you buy, you know, it's only six, eight, maybe 10 inches high, and it's usually grown from a cutting. You set it out and give it room to grow because it makes a bush you will not be able to put your arms around.
6: Excellent.
1: Now, my next thing is I've got three
5: lemon plants that got really damaged by the freeze two years ago. I cut them back, got them back up to about two or three foot. Do you think I'm past the graft, or do you think you'll make our
1: lemons? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. It depends. You know, you should be able to see the graft. The graft should be pretty obvious within just a few inches of the soil. And if it's below that, you're going to have a wild, thorny, what they call a, a hardy orange, a trifoliate orange, it won't be the, you know, which is a cool plant, but it's not what you want. So, That's you know, exactly you can have to look for the grass. That's what exactly. I got. A lot I
5: got a thorny-looking thorny
1: plant, yep. And the, and the leaflets have, the east leaf has three leaflets on it? I I need, don't know. I had to look. Well, well, that's that's the most common rootstock, and they will actually make fruit. They're golf ball size, and they're mostly seeds, but uh, they got a lot of pectin in them. They'll you know they'll make you squint a eye if you try to bite into one. But you know if it's below the graft, that's all you got.
5: Hey, is it will it hurt to plant the lemon tree right adjacent to the same uh, to the to the thorny one I got now?
1: No, heck no. You know, the po- poly- cross-pollination, well, the, the, the thorny one you got is going to get pretty big, but cross-pollination only affects seeds. It doesn't affect fruit. Just make sure you dig a wide hole. And, and, and this is, a lot of people don't do this. It's real important to loosen up the potting soil and roots of a container-grown plant when you sit it out so its roots get used to your dirt real quick.
6: Hey, thanks a lot for all your help.
1: Good luck on it, man. Appreciate it. Stay yes, cool. Sir. Jonas, did you get my cheesy tune I sent?
2: I definitely do have it. Three little birds. Okay,
1: okay, when you're ready to go with that, let me know, because I want to set it up a little bit, okay?
2: (laughs) No problem, but up next is Eric calling from Oxford about nutgrass and daylilies.
1: Hey, Eric, good morning. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fine. Hey, I've got daylilies, and we're having a nutgrass problem.
5: Other than digging them up and hand-separating everything, is there anything I can use to
7: get rid of the nutgrass?
1: Well, you know, actually, and, and anybody listening to my program long enough knows that that I I really try not to recommend uh, pesticides unless I think that they're really safe and good for uh, okay with the environment. There are some that will kill nutgrass. I can't remember the names, the brand names, because they change them. You know, every year it seems like they're you know they're changing formulations and things. There are some herbicides that will kill sedge without killing your daylilies. But you have to shoot me an email so I can you know so, so I can look up the name of it, I just can't remember. Okay. No problem. But, Thank uh, you. But you know the the and, and I can't pronounce it actually. between. You, but anyway, there are some a- at the same time though, if you pull and then you know pull as much as you can, especially after a rain when the when the ground is moist, as soon as the new stuff comes up, pull it and do it another time. Don't you know? Without letting the new stuff get very big, you can peter it out pretty quickly by hand pulling. The trick is to pull it as much as you can and get the new ones to come up for little nutlets before they have chance to make little nutlets on their own. So you can peter it out with three or maybe four hand pullings, and each one gets easier. Okay. Thank you. All right. Good luck on it. Bye. By the way, let me, before we go to another phone call, let me throw this out. I got a really, really weird, uh, uh, interesting email the other day, and I just want to touch on it uh, because it's something that's, that is thought-provoking about how we've become – everybody knows about honeybees, protective bees and all like that. But uh, there's an essay that says we may be the problem because uh, when settlers first came to New World, we brought honeybees with us, and we started gardening and doing agriculture – around the honeybees instead of growing stuff that the native bees like. And and, in the process of growing honeybee crops, and depending on the honeybees, we've actually reduced the habitat and the number of native bees that do uh, a lot of their pollination. What they're doing in some parts of the country is getting people to plant swaths of what they call native plant meadows, uh, little strips here and there with all sorts of native plants and wildflowers, so that the native uh, bees and native pollinators come back, and that way you know, it'll take some of the stress off the honeybees. It's it's food for thought. More on this later, but an unkept pollinator patch with something to bloom for late winter to late fall, never a bad idea. We got any phone calls, Jonas?
2: We sure do. A whole lot of them. (laughs) We have Charles. We have a lot of Charles today. We had a Charlie, and then we have a Charles from Laurel. After that is a Charles from Jackson, but we're going to go to the Charles from Laurel first about blueberries.
1: Okay. Hey Charles, I love you I love your town. Laurel is a cool little town and and uh that, that new movie, the Free State of Jones, is coming out real soon.
4: It sure is. Hey a question I have on the blueberries. I have a blueberry patch basically. It's about three and a half foot wide with lots of canes growing up in it. Uh-huh. And I wanna know about pruning it as far as the center ones are too high to reach the blueberries. Can I just cut the right. center ones out right at the ground, or do I need to cut them back, or what do I need to do about pruning those out? Pruning those out. Uh,
1: two, two ways to prune blueberries: the parts that you have a hard time uh, reaching. As soon as you get through picking those, you know, sometime in July, they're not too late, go ahead and cut those back. Don't cut them to the ground; just cut them back, and they will bush out the rest of the year. So, you know, words, just just reduce their height. But wherever you make the cut, the new growth is going to come out pretty much right there. And as soon as you get done with that, any of those suckers and tall stuff, any new growth that's left, cut that back so it in turn bushes out. You know, those suckers can shoot up over uh, almost overhead sometimes. If you cut them back, they'll bush out with more branches, more berries next year. And as long as you get the tip-pruning, the new growth, and get rid of the tall stuff sometime this month, and we're starting to kind of push it a little bit, they have time for new growth to come out and set flower buds for a crop next spring. Okay, what about chest-high or... As far as well, you know, the if, ones? if if you cut it back chest high, it's going to put out growth chest high. It's going to be, you know. So I cut it back knee high or waist high. Knee high or waist high.
4: Okay. Now, next question. On the, uh, you you said something about cutting back fruit trees. What about pears? Should you cut those back to about? Uh, yeah. Two-foot or so, or three-foot?
1: The, the new ones, when you first set a fruit tree out, cut it back about knee-high or so, which is above the grass, and it'll bush out, and each of those branches that come out the first year, thin them out the following year, so you just have two or three or four main trunks. But so that's just uh-huh. the first year. You know, once they've you know, they gotten more than two or three years old, it's pretty hard to do that. we just got, got to get them to branch out with limbs. Closer to the ground, so you'll be able to pick the tree down the, down the road. I got one that's about two two years old, and well, it's already shot up a...
4: about eight foot high. Does it have branches on it? A couple. I cut it back, but it has a. I cut it back after the first year.
1: Yeah. Well, the the side branches that are on there now, they're going to be limbs for the rest of the tree. So you might want to try to spread them out a little bit with some sticks or something. And then any branches that are growing inward or upward, cut those off. So only leaving stuff that's growing kind of out and up.
4: Okay. All right. I will do that. Thank You're you very much,
1: it, Charles. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Now we have another Charles, don't we?
2: Yes, we do. Charles from Jackson this time. He needs help choosing a plant, I believe
1: hey charles howdy good morning what's up good morning felder i got a question i i've been
5: having bad luck growing tomato plants let me tell you i've I've been trying to grow them in a five gallon bucket uh Uh what do you suggest to a good tomato plant and and how would you go about making sure they're going to grow and produce good fruit
1: Okay, and by the way, I've grown tomatoes in five-gallon and bigger buckets. That's about the smallest I go with. Uh, first of all, make sure your potting soil is well drained. If it stays wet down, you know, if you water a lot and it stays wet down at the bottom, roots yeah. will stay up high. So, so I would mix some bark or some uh, something for better drainage. So when you water, water runs out the bottom and roots, you know, grow down deep. Uh, and also add just a little bit of agriculture lime, about a handful. Uh, just a scant handful of agriculture lime because potting soil doesn't have the calcium that that tomato plant and peppers need. But as okay. far as varieties, it's been my experience that the bush type tomatoes, things like Celebrity, they don't get real tall, but they they get real bushy. If you grow uh-huh. those and put a tomato cage over them. You don't have to prune them. They don't produce all summer, but it's hard to keep a tomato plant alive all summer in a bucket. So what I would do is plant some in the spring, some in the middle summer, and some in the late summer to always have new, fresh tomato plants coming along that are bush type, rather than trying to keep that long skinny one going all summer long.
5: Okay.
1: I had tried. Somebody told me one time to
5: plant them in in hay bales, and that hay bale rod that will feed that tomato plant. And I tried
1: that, and I don't have any luck with that. Well, the, the hay bales, hay bales, straw bale gardening. Uh, there's some tricks to that. You know, you need to you need to, to get those hay bales and straw bales to start to decompose ahead of time by watering them with fertilizer and throwing some dirt on them. And and also, you got to keep in mind that you know that's not as easy in a hot, humid climate as it is further north where they don't have fire ants. that are going to colonize it either. I just right. stick with potting soil in a, in a container.
5: Okay. What kind of tomato? I mean, uh, what kind of uh, fertilizer do you use?
1: Uh, to, to me, keeping keeping in mind that potting soil. If you use compost in your potting soil, then you can use natural fertilizers. But uh, you, have you heard of this stuff called Osmocote?
5: I think I have seen it in Walmart, but I've never, yeah. I've never tried it.
1: it. It it looks like little round beads. If you put some of that on your container plant every time you water, it automatically fertilizes them. The trick is don't use it more than what the directions call for. It just doesn't seem like enough. But that okay. way, your plants get fertilized every time you water, and every oh, every, once or twice a month, hit them with a about a half drink shot of Miracle Grow. I don't sell these fertilizers. I'm just telling you what I use as a gardener.
5: Right, that's what I have to know. Because like I said, I've been having my thumbs are not very green. And we love tomatoes,
1: well, and so. Well, the, uh, again, Osmocote no stronger than recommended strength, and every now and then a half-strength shot a Miracle Grow. It gives them all those extra things like zinc and copper and stuff that other fertilizers don't have. Okay, what would you what would you water about twice, three times a week? A real, you know, what, what, uh, my container plants get watered twice. I water them once, and after a few minutes, go back and hit them a second time, which really soaks in. And, you okay. know, no more than a couple of times a week is usually all they need. Some people say they got to water every day. I'm sorry. I've been growing in containers a long time. But once or twice a week, if you water really well, is usually enough. Okay. All right. Thank you, Belder. I appreciate your information. Good. Well, good luck on it, Charles. And good luck finding out some new tomato plants this time of year because garden centers are starting to sell out.
2: We're going to get Jerry in Bay Springs right before we go to the cheese music.
1: All righty. Good morning, Jerry. How you doing, man? Uh, doing good, Fowler. Um, I called you a couple weeks
6: ago and told you that I finally had grapes growing on my muscadine vines. Right. After not having any for years, but now it looks like they're falling off while they're still hard and and green, and uh, they're they're about the right size for them to start ripening up, but they're falling off green. Can you tell me what's happening?
1: Well, with that, do you know what variety you've got? No, I don't, because they're wild. Uh-huh. They were here when I got the property. Okay, okay. if they're wild, here's the deal. Wild muscadines are separate male and female vines. There's some, there's, some, there's some hybrid varieties that one plant is all you need, but wild ones, if you've got a female only, it will make what looks like little berries, but because it doesn't get a lot of pollen, they're going to fall off. You have to have separate. Have to have a male and a female with the wild ones. And you may have enough wilds around there to get a little fertilized, uh a little pollination. But uh, if it's a wild one, it's not going to be real dependable at all. I I, I, love, I was raised with muscadines, and um, you know I would I would plant if you want muscadines, I'd plant a good self-pollinating modern hybrid. And there's some really good ones out there, and that way it'll pollinate itself and your female vine that you've already got. Okay. Um, it's, it's still got a lot on the vine, but it's just like 10% of them are falling off. Yeah, it sound, sounds like that, you know, again, bees do the pollinating. It sounds like that just they, they got partially pollinated. Some are going to shed. And we also have a natural thing uh, called fruit drop that happens on almost all fruits when it gets hot and dry. They can't carry them all to maturity, and they'll drop some. But I would suspect yours being a a, a native one or a wild one probably just didn't get very good pollination. If you plant, like I say, a, 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 a self-pollinating vine nearby, that'll take care of both of them. And I'll be glad to help you with that if you shoot me an email. Okay. Thank you, man. All right. Good luck. All right. We- that like sounds like doom and gloom, but that's just the way it is. Here are the dog days of August. Plants are suffering. Good deep soaking is about all they need. So, Jonas, you ready to do the, the tune? Absolutely. Set it up. Okay, I, I you know, I've been watching, like everybody else, all the politics, and in you know, between the Republicans and Democrats and all the people arguing and hollering and all, and I thought this would be a good time to play something that's just good, solid, relaxed-type music, and I decided to go with a, an old Barb, Bob Marley tune that a lot of people are familiar with, but I found a child version of one. It's called Three Little Birds, but I think that this will be something that has kind of a calming effect, folks. We're going to listen to it, take a little quick break, and come back with more of the the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I love talking about gardening, folks, but if you feel like writing, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org, and I'll get right back with you. And by the way, I've got a special offer of a plant list, really tough, hardy plants that I just updated Shoot me an email, and I'll send you a free copy of that, garden at mpbonline.org. I'm horticulture's fellow rushing. Let's relax, people. Let's just relax and breathe in and breathe out and come back with more of gestalt gardener You know, Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this.
2: Country I'm going to eat a lot of peaches I'm moving to the country I'm going to eat a lot of peaches I'm moving into the country going to eat a lot of peaches I'm moving into the country
7: going to eat a lot of peaches Don't worry, every every right. don't worry
8: About a thing
7: Cause every
2: little
7: thing it's gonna be alright Singing, don't worry About a thing Cause every little thing it's gonna be alright Woke up this morning The Three little birds. Three little birds. By my doorstep. Singing a sweet song. melody pure and true. And true.
0: More than two centuries ago, the first American president took office. And next year, the 45th will take office. Follow history in the making. Right here on this station. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Democratic vice presidential candidate Tim Kaine is vocal about his Catholic faith.
2: We had a motto in my school, men for others. And, and it was there that my faith became something vital, my North Star for orienting my life. Faith,
0: politics, and Catholic voters who make up more than 20% of the electorate, later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie
1: okay, dokie, welcome back again. Horticulture's spelled a rushing, and we're talking about gardening today, but. Just wanted to play that little thing. It's called Three Little Birds. It's by Bob Marley, and there's so many wonderful variations of that. You can can download o- online. Three Little Birds. Don't worry. Every little thing's going to be all right. Our number here free one eight seven seven mpb 1-877-MPB-RING, if you want to talk about gardening. I did mention before the break that I, ca- I have tweaked my latest list on really tough plants, trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, perennials, annuals, bulbs, grasses, the kind of plants that are the backbones of gardens. And I've got a lot of requests from my column in today's clearing and leisure about it, including from landscape architects. But I want to warn you, if you're a horticultural snob, you're not going to like some of these plants because they're common as dirt. You find around old home sites and cemeteries, but they're commonly grown, dependable backbone plants for, this, for the southern part of the United States. Those of you who live up further north in Tennessee, north of Mississippi, Tennessee, those of you down on the Gulf Coast, you've got some, some options that the rest of us can't grow. Some things that like a little cooler weather, like peonies that won't grow on the coast, or gingers on the coast that won't grow up further north. But this list is free. Shoot me an email, garden at org. I'll shoot it to you first part of next week. I'm headed down to a place this weekend called New Forest. And that's interesting because even though I'm still here in England, the New Forest is called New Forest because it was set aside. It was set aside as protected um uh, I got a phone call coming. Anyway, set aside as protected forest land a thousand years ago by we and the conqueror. Anyway, shoot us an email, garden at MPB online, and I'll be glad to yak with you about gardening. How you doing there, sir Jonas?
2: We got a few calls if you're ready for them.
1: I am. Let's let's jump on it.
2: Don calling from Collins about a tulip tree is up next.
1: Hey Don, good morning. What's up? Is it a real right. tulip tree or what? Yeah, it's uh, supposed to
8: be. I got it from my county extension office when they uh, yeah. sell the plants each year. Right. I planted this tulip tree, and I don't know if I didn't do a lot of research on it. I guess so. Uh, I planted it. It's mostly in a shaded place, and it doesn't seem to grow very good. It's not dying, but it's not actually getting very tall.
1: Yeah, you, you put it out this this past winter. Uh, it's been out a couple of years now. Yeah, well, the, the tulip tree is, is is actually called tulip poplar, and it's somewhat related to magnolia trees, uh, but it's it's uh, it's a native tree. It, it and it'll grow into woodlands. It's a woodland plant, but unless it gets a lot of sunshine in the first couple of years, it's going to be spindly or not grow very much. So uh, yeah. you know, you might want to you know give it another little time, little chance. Uh, also, it's really important. And I I give you an idea how fast this tree grows. I set one out the month my son was born. And four years later, we both fell out of it. That's how, and it was knee-high when I set it out. So it should, oh, wow. it should just about double in size the first couple of years. You, uh, so either give it some more time or sometime this winter, after we get a little frost or something, go ahead and move uh-huh. it to a sunnier spot.
8: Okay, I might try that because it's been out a couple of years, and it's just not doing real good at all.
1: Yeah, and make sure work? the trunk, you know, all it takes is hitting the trunk one time with a lawnmower with the string trimmer, and that can boot a yeah. plant up for the rest of his life.
8: Yeah, well, I don't think that's been the case, I don't Good. believe. Uh, one more quick question. My mother has some blueberry trees that are a little bit older, and they're uh-huh. probably about six foot tall. I try to keep the tops cut back out of them. Should right. I cut them any lower?
1: Well, you know, wherever you make the cut, the new growth comes out there. Right. What you might want to do is is cut some of them lower this year. Leave some of them, you know, cut back a little bit. Cut some of them back to about knee-high or waist-high. Let them bush out, and they'll they'll be fuller next year.
8: Okay. Yeah, I hear you, you know, talk just, about them a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just thin some of them. You know, cut some of them back about uh, uh, you know, about halfway or knee-high or waist-high, something like that. Leave a few of them.
8: Okay. Thank you very much for taking your time, Felder.
1: Appreciate it. No problem at all. And folks, that's all I got right now is time. This is what I live for every week. I love this program. Love writing for the Clare and Ledger. Love doing stuff online. Love my books. Love lecturing and all. But this is a real blast talking about real gardeners in real garden time. Who we got, sir, Jonas?
2: James from Tupelo calling about asparagus plants.
1: All right. Hey, James. Good morning, sir. Good morning. What's up? What's up? Can, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Loud and okay. clear.
6: Okay, listen, I have uh, some raised beds that I basically grow tomatoes in, but in uh-huh. uh, end of one of them we planted some asparagus. Right. We're getting asparagus now, but I've messed around. It's got a lot of grass in it, mostly of crabgrass. What can I do to get that grass out?
1: Ooh, that's going to be tough because uh, there's not a lot of weed killers you can spray. There is a weed killer that works like Roundup, but it only kills true grasses. Any garden center will have this stuff, and, and it'll take crabgrass out of it. will kill corn, which is a grass, but it, it only kills true grasses. At the same time, you might want to just uh pile some mulch in there if you got some leaves or something like that. Just bury the crabgrass with this stuff because that'll that'll be good for your asparagus anyway. Well, we put uh pine straw on it last year, but yeah. uh, I would, this. this let me recommend this for growing asparagus. Asparagus is one of my favorite vegetables. This year, when the leaf, when it when it dies down after a frost, go in and yep. cut it all down, pull back the pine straw, and pile a bunch of real tree leaves out there. Just regular. You want something that's going to decompose and feed the soil. Pine straw doesn't sure. do that. It's a pretty mulch, but it doesn't do much for the soil. And I, what do you fertilize with? Uh,
6: triple thirteen, basically, and uh, well, I don't put that on that now i of spray it with uh a long time miracle grow.
1: Yeah. let, let me let, let me recommend one that's gonna be real sustainable, really good for sturdy, stalky plants. If you fertilize with tree leaves, as they decompose, they feed worms, you can put triple thirteen out there every three or four years or so. That doesn't hurt anything. But on the in-between time, use cottonseed meal. Just a light dusting. A pound will cover a 10 foot by 10 foot area. Doesn't take much. Right? A cottonseed meal gives good, slow, steady nitrogen, and it beefs up the worms that dig down and uh, all around the roots of that asparagus. Really, really help it grow well. Tree leaves and cottonseed meal. That's all I'd put on asparagus. Alright, and I have one other question on my tomato plants.
6: They uh, the, some of the leaves and the and the stem themselves they start turning yellow or brown and of course die. Uh, what can yeah. I spray those
1: with? But once they start dying and they so I have a book that's 32 pages of just diseases of tomatoes. So they ain't no telling about Looking at some of them are root diseases, stem diseases. That's just the luck of the draw. There's nothing we can spray for that. But if the leaf diseases that fire the plant up, there's a spray you can use. Got a kind of a weird name, but it's not a cure it's a prevention Once the plants start doing that, there's not much you can do to help it except replant with new tomato plants but um the 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 spray that they use is starts with the c h l o r chlorothalonil widely available and it controls the leaf diseases of tomatoes. but you got to use it ahead of time. I got you okay
6: before they ever start turning off.
1: That's right. Once it starts, you know, again, these are we don't have cures for diseases. Well, you can cure an insect problem, but you have to prevent diseases by putting protective film on the leaves before they get diseased. If you want to plant some more, you got time to plant tomatoes for fall if you can find them. And uh, as long as you don't keep the leaves. I just planted forty-eight. I got four raised beds. Okay, well, well, when you water, try not to water overhead because the the diseases aren't as bad in hot, dry weather as when it splashes around with a lot of rain and, and overhead watering. Okay. But if all you right. shoot me an email, I'll send you the, the, the name of that, uh, the fungicide that will prevent the, the leaf diseases. Thank you very much. All right, appreciate it. You know, folks, I, I hate t- talking about chemical names because, first of all, I'm not up to date on the latest things. Some of the things I recommend may not be as available as others, and also, if we can avoid using them at all, that's better. So, If you have a specific question about a, a herbicide or an insecticide or fungicide, shoot me an email so I can do research for it to make sure I don't mispronounce something or tell you something that's not right. We got any more callers, Jonas?
2: Yes, we have three more callers we're going to try to work in before the end of the hour. Up next is from Indianola Baird. Calling about a fig leaf
1: magnolia. Good morning, sir. Fig leaf magnolia. I don't know what that is.
7: Um, well, it's it's a type of magnolia that's uh, really similar to the sweet bay magnolia, but it actually has the largest uh, simple leaf of any um, any plant. It's a really neat um, variety of it.
1: It's one of the deciduous magnolias, right?
7: Correct. Correct. Um, yes, yeah, see, I've yeah. had a lot of success with the sweet bay magnolias, like propagating them by, you know, air layering where you go, uh-huh. you know, cut off that root bark. But see, I was wondering if you had any information on where to possibly source a big leaf magnolia. And then my second question but, is, with, um, air layered, uh, magnolias, is it possible to leave them in a pot for their whole life and possibly have them as an indoor plant? No. As opposed to I, I, the I, yard. let,
1: let let me just jump. Let me answer the second one first. Uh, most of our native trees uh, require a cold spell in the wintertime. They re- they require going dormant, and also indoors doesn't have the the humidity that they like. So native plants and outdoor plants, you know, there's only a few that will translate to indoor plants, and they're mostly small things like you know ferns and ivies and you know things like that. A, a fatsia, for example, but I wouldn't try to grow a big beautiful outdoor native plant anywhere except. Big, beautiful outdoors. By the way, yes, it's going to be a little hard to pull pull that one off in, in the delta because, hey, I'm from Indianola. I don't know if you knew that or not.
7: I, so not, big, I mean, beautiful. I feel like I didn't know that. that that's, I, know yeah, yeah. For, I know some of
1: the I know some of the He's my older brother. But anyway, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the, these trees, they tend to get their leaves shredded in a lot of wind. So if you want to plant them, plant them near some other plants to protect them from the high winds sometimes we
7: get in, in the, there in the delta. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, the reason I use air layering is because you can literally make a copy of your favorite magnolia tree. It's a yeah, clone. you know, it's all it you is. Know, have the same genes. It's neat. Well, thanks, thanks for talking. Thanks for having me.
1: All man.
7: Take care. Hey, cool.
1: I know how it. I know how it is in July in the Delta. Bless your heart.
2: Up next is Hilda, with a question. She's calling from Corinth.
1: Hey, Hilda, what's going on up the icebox? Oh, I have
3: a problem with my tomatoes. That, um, uh-huh. They have thick skins and the core, in it, hard core.
1: A lot of times, that's caused by bad weather, just tough, tough weather. Uh, and, uh, and you know, this is same thing with cracking. You know, this is not a disease or something you can treat for. All you can do really is keep the plants moist without keeping them too wet. And usually, they, you know, when the, when the weather's not quite so hot, they'll they'll turn better off. But this, a lot of times, is caused by heat from overwatering, never watering, sometimes not very good pollination because in the summertime, tomato plants will actually aren't formed right when it gets above 95. Let's just keep the plants slightly fertilized, occasional soaking, see if they don't pick back up a little bit later. But that's nothing you can spray for. Oh, okay. Thank you much. All righty. Good luck. Beautiful town, Corinth is.
2: All right. Last caller, Jennifer from Hattiesburg, about tomato and plants.
1: Jennifer. Good morning, Jennifer. Hey. Everybody's talking about tomatoes. What can I help you with? Okay, is there any way to um, prevent
3: uh, cutworms without using a pesticide other than uh,
1: picking them about, off? Are you talking about the ones on the leaves or now at the base of the plant? On the leaves. Oh, yeah, yes, there is. There's actually a natural spray. A natural spray, it only kills the caterpillars of moths and butterflies, it's called, it's a biological worm spray, you can get it in most garden centers, it's totally, it's perfectly safe for you and ladybugs and everything else, but it makes a, the caterpillar stop eating, biological worm spray, it works really, really well.
3: Well, thank you, and I love your show, thank appreciate
1: you for having me. All right, appreciate and by the way, those are the larvae of a great big beautiful sphinx moth that comes out and pollinates white flowered things in the night. So oh, oh. I'm going to leave a few. Yeah, that great big hand-sized sphinx moth. That's the that's the adult of the tomato hornworm. Oh, well, that's interesting. Thank you. Just, just want to throw that out. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Appreciate your you call. Thank you so much. So, so, Jonas, we managed to slide through another one, huh?
2: Definitely did. Definitely did. <laughs> Victory. You did excellent.
1: That's right. It's about time for, that, for the end music to come out. Cause yep, I can't in
2: about 15 seconds. Got.
1: Okay, well, let me throw this out, folks. Uh, again, I do have a an updated list of really good, hardy trees, shrubs, vines, falls, perennials, annuals, ground covers for the Deep South. You want know to shoot me an email, or if you have a question about gardening, or if you've got some comments about things that I talk about or want to give me extra information, whatever, shoot us an email, Garden at mpbonline.org. Not often you're going to be able to, to have access to, to somebody who doesn't sell stuff who's glad to help you with your gardening stuff, because it doesn't matter to me what you do or don't do. Let's try to have a good time, okay? Uh, I'm Horticultural Stella Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We call it Think Radio. My producer today has been Sir Jonas Adams. Not sure who the phone greeter is. Kevin Farrell. Kevin Farrell. Yep, Kevin. Kevin. Farrell. All right, appreciate that. Uh, we're we're going to be talking about gardening every Friday and Saturday right here on MPB, one of many locally produced programs. Remember, gardening is a way to help heal a hurting world. Mow your grass high. If you're going anywhere near a garden center or a farmer's market, take a kid with you and show them how to get dirty.